who wouldn't want to be surrounded by edible lingerie and technicolor dildos? Because one, ambiance, two, snacks. Hello, and welcome to Love at First Screening's special series, Rom-Com Road Trip, where we take you on a winding journey to find the best love and laughter as we create a rom-com plot of our own. So grab your favorite snacks. Like cheese puffs. Or watermelon. And hurry, we've got a few friends to pick up. I call shotgun, you drive. Buckle Buckle up! up. (laughs) You know, we can always edit that in post, but we never do. Because we're too honest. It's true. We we want to make authentic content. We don't want to, you know, trick anyone by pretending that we're actually in sync. Chelsea, have you done anything interesting recently? Read anything good? Uh, listened to any good tunes? Well, I just finished a memoir from Alicia Roth Weigel called Inverse Cowgirl. She's originally from the Northeast, but she currently lives and works in Texas. She's an intersex activist. She herself is intersex uh, and she advocates for, you know, she advocates in support of trans folks and intersex folks and all of the just terrible legislation that's currently running rampant in Texas, but really in all parts of the U.S., Uh, That's affecting, like, importantly affecting trans folks, and there's a lot of misinformation, but it's also affecting intersex folks, and it's also affecting cis folks. There was just an attack on a woman, and the attacker was provoked because this person thought this woman was trans, uh, and she wasn't, which honestly isn't even the point. Uh, People shouldn't be enacting violence towards each other, but this was a crime motivated by transphobia, and the victim just happened not to be trans. This was a cis woman. So anyway, highly encourage anyone to read Inverse Cowgirl. Uh, I listened to one of the podcasts I've mentioned on here a million times, Just Between Us, um, and they had her on to talk about the book. And honestly, her life is outside of the purpose of writing it being a way to advocate and also create awareness around the issue. Her life is just really fascinating. Like she studied abroad and has lots of stories. She's fluent in Portuguese and has been to Brazil many times. Like, I don't know. It's just like, and also the activism work of it all and helping a campaign on the ground, like grassroots kind of thing in Texas. I just, it was, it was really nice to read about uh, her life, but obviously very interesting. And, and uh, Madison, I actually texted you because you and her share a a childhood crush. (laughs) I'm so excited. I have added this book um, to my TBR uh, on my audiobook app because I, I'm, I'm, transitioning more into uh reading with my eyes once more but I consume things a lot faster uh with my ears because uh, I can do it while I I've also gotten into sewing basically Chelsea in my current state of unemployment 
I, one, am, am fortunate enough that, you know, this duration of unemployment isn't devastating for me. And it was an elective choice. Well, <laughs> a semi-elective choice. But it's, I've been getting more into sewing and just slow living moments. So listening with my ears is easy to do when I'm doing other stuff. But I did, um, I just finished listening to uh, Fina by Nino Cipri. And excellent. If you want to listen or read, if you want to, you know, use your eyes and read it. Um, if you want to engage with an excellent queer absurdist sci-fi story that's really kind of in a really funny way but also a serious way engages with the plight of people under capitalism especially through a retail focused lens it's excellent it's really quick it's a novella I finished it in a day and it was awesome. Uh, and then I just started keeping on trend. This is this is my um, queer uh, uh, related uh, recommendation. Everything that we're going to recommend, shockingly enough, <laughs> today is going to be queer. I think because um, I also I have it right here, Chelsea, so I can show it to you. Wow, I got it at um, the Atlanta Radical Book Fair. But it's We Won't Be Here Tomorrow and Other Stories by Margaret Kiljoy. Margaret Kiljoy is one of my favorite podcasters. Um, she's a trans woman, anarchist, mutual aid advocate. She's just basically so fucking cool. Uh, and she writes a lot of really good dark fiction, science fiction kind of based dystopian um, and so this is a collection of her short stories. And again, that's We Won't Be Here Tomorrow and Other Stories. Great. I definitely want to read Finna. I need your Audible login again because I was like, I, will send it to you. I know you want to talk to someone about it. And I was going to go listen to it the <laughs> other day and I was logged out of Audible and I was like, mm, well. Oh, you know what? You can also listen to um, Never Whistle at Night with that too. So, okay. well, we'll load I, you up. I also finished, shortly after Inverse Cowgirl, um, a novel called Our Hideous Progeny by C.E. McGill, which is a feminist Frankenstein retelling, uh, which, I'll be honest, uh, was pitched to me as having more of an overtly queer plot. Maybe that was my bad. Maybe I read too much in it. So I will preface this. It is queer. It is explicit. Like, it, it is explicitly queer. But the main characters, the love she has for other women is not the center of this novel. It is very mm -hmm. much about this creature that they are creating. I wouldn't say it's a queer feminist retelling mostly because I think the word queer in that con that series of words would lead you to believe that there's more romance in the book than there isn't which on a side note might be a problem with the way in which we engage with queerness like queer people exist outside of romantic and sexual relationships like yeah we are not defined strictly by those relationships like we are full human beings and so what? I myself I know it's crazy but like but I think the expectation is if you tell me something is queer 
my immediate thought is that there is some romantic or like sexual element to that thing. Like I will be seeing either on page or on screen a relationship of some nature unfold or or mm-hmm. if it's not having to do with romance then perhaps it is an internal dialogue or discussion or journey that that person is going on to engage with their queerness mm-hmm. but this particular book as fabulous as it was was not either of those things the, <laughs> the main character is queer but the book is about the creature. I will say though, for I think it's probably a great read for women in science. Uh, because nice. and actually, I I think I had a new appreciate. I ha- I've never read Frankenstein. My ability to engage with the text falls outside of somebody that has that background. However, after the reading the author's note, I have a really new appreciation for you know like I know Mary Shelley is like the mother of sci-fi yeah and so it's crazy because the genre has really become misogynistically overthrown almost like yeah and there's a lot of I think pushback about what sci-fi is and who it's for and after reading this author's note uh, you know at the end of the book I think I loved the book even more because of the fact that the author said that Frankenstein was written in a time uh, that was responding to and very afraid of rapid medical advancements that were being made and in this story it is centered around a woman who she's supposed to be the great niece I guess of Victor Frankenstein Mm -hmm. and she and her husband decide to kind of take like they find his notes and they decide that they're going to create something of their own and anyway I I don't want to like spoil things that happen but I I will say that I I just want people going in not to be expecting that there's also going to be a love story because mm, there is and there isn't like it that's not the point and it's like very subtle so yeah, anyway, but it was it was a fun time. So Our Hideous Progeny by C.E. McGill. It's really interesting. I, this is, uh, everyone's just tuning in to like our, our book corner hour, I guess, in this moment. Um, because I just keep thinking, so I, I've gotten, uh, I'm not a huge sci-fi person and I'm not a huge horror or dark fiction person, but it's like all I want to consume lately. And I don't know what that says. Maybe it's the time of year, like it's a spookier time of year or something like that. Maybe it's, I don't know. Anyway, talking about how misogynistic science fiction as a genre can slide into, has become, etc. I do want to say I had the immense privilege of being able to see uh, Dr. Lisa Yazik of Georgia Tech. I got the profound privilege of being able to attend a lecture of hers in talking about women in science fiction. And uh, just to plug this, she has an anthology that she put together called The Future is Female, and it's 25 classic science fiction stories by women um, and from pulp pioneers to Ursula K. Le Guin. And um, it's like the description on Amazon is uh, 
Science fiction expert Lisa Yazdik presents the biggest and best survey of the female tradition in American science fiction ever published, a thrilling collection of 25 classic tales from pulp era pioneers to new wave experimentalists. Here are over two dozen brilliant writers ripe for discovery and rediscovery from Leslie F. Stone, Judith Merrill, Kit Reed, Joanna Russ, James Tiptree Jr., Ursula K. Le Guin. She has an introduction and a foreword and everything which I would assume I haven't actually read that book. I've read stories out of it, but um, assume it would be basically women are the backbone of science fiction, always have been, and they kept it from going extinct um, really through uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah to women and science fiction. That's, That's it for today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. Yes. <laughs> we'll see you next week. <laughs> Honestly, this um, is just if if you have enjoyed us talking about books, then tune in uh, at the end of this season, our bonus episode where we're going to cover a couple of our favorite books, I guess, by Alexis Hall. They are romantic comedies, boyfriend material and its sequel husband material. I know the other day as of recording this, I had posted on our Instagram story uh, because it was the books were actually the digital copies were on sale and you could get both of them for under five dollars. Um, that was a one day sale. So it is over now. But um, look out for those. Uh, I'm going to try and keep tabs on on that. So but also, you know, support your local library. Oh, yeah. Make them order gay shit for you. Can I get that on a t-shirt? Support your local library. Make them order gay shit for you. Incredible. If someone if someone will send me a really well done um like screen for screen printing with that, I will personally screen print so much shit with that on it. Just uh let me know. <laughs> oh my god. Well, Chelsea, do you have a story uh, for me today that is hopefully gay? Madison, I do. And not only is it gay, it's a little spooky. Like, (gasps) as in, you tasked me with writing a paranormal rom-com. I do. So, let's... You and I are currently sitting in October. I don't know when this episode will air. It either will air at the... I think it's going to air at the beginning of November. Maybe then we're 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 still in spooky season at unclear. that point, in my opinion. Unclear, but uh, it's very appropriate for when we're recording this, and hopefully, I enjoy spooky shit all year round. Oh, absolutely. Here's the thing: if the leaves are crunching on caramel popcorn, I am a munchin, and that means it is spooky season. So before I dive into the story, I actually want to take a moment to go over a couple of things that pertain to the protagonist of this story. You and I, Madison, are huge supporters of asexual folks uh, within the community. But it is a sexuality that I think gets forgotten about by everyone, both in and outside of the queer community. Uh, And I just wanted to take a moment to let our listeners know what exactly asexuality is and some of the nuances of it. Obviously, this is going to be a brief overview. So um, if you are interested in learning more, um, I have some resources that have been vetted by some awesome ace folks that I personally know um, that I'll give you at the end. But first off, I just want to say that 
The definition of asexuality is someone who experiences little to no sexual attraction. So asexuality is about attraction. Whether or not you engage in sexual activity does not necessarily mean you're asexual or not. That doesn't have anything to do with it. However, individual asexuals have varying attitudes on sex. So there are sex-favorable asexuals who are up for participating. Again, it's individual. I want to make that very clear. (laughs) Um, There's, of course, sex-indifferent asexuals. There's sex-averse asexuals who might not want to participate but don't necessarily find sex objectionable in general. And then we have sex-repulsed asexuals who neither want to engage. They're repulsed by it in general, even outside of what they do or do not participate in. And of course, asexuality, it's on a spectrum. So uh, within that, there's some other identities, demisexual, gray asexual, just as gender is on a spectrum and other sexualities are also on a spectrum and how an individual person might relate and feel in touch with their sexuality is going to vary from person to person. So I just want, I just wanted to go over this with everyone because I think it's something I saw during Pride Month get misrepresented a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot of false definitions that uh, equated it as someone who doesn't have a desire to have sex, which is not what asexuality is. It is about attraction. But then asexual folks, like I said, have different attitudes towards sex, both in general and as something that they may or may not want to participate in. But ultimately, anyone that falls within that, again, spectrum of asexuality experiences little to no sexual attraction. So I just want to say that. And if you are interested in learning more about asexuality, uh, a couple of people online that you can follow, Cody, who uses they, them pronouns, is at acedadadvice on both Instagram and TikTok. And then, of course, there's Rachel, pronouns she, her, um, who is at at angstyace, both on uh, Instagram and TikTok. So if you want to know more, go learn about it from some lovely ace folks that are out there that create that kind of content. But I just wanted to go over that before we dive into the story, because our main character is asexual. All right. Are you ready, Madison? I hope so. Well, ready or not, here we come. Our protagonist, I need an H name, she, her pronouns. Helena. So our protagonist, Helena, manages a witchy-themed adult toy store called Knocking Broomsticks (laughs) in Salem. Thank you for laughing at the title of (laughs) the store. That's incredible. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you so much. Okay, so it's not a common job, and many people find it peculiar Especially those in her life that know that she's asexual. Because why would someone who, quote, doesn't have sex, unquote, want to surround themselves with edible lingerie and technicolor dildos? But this is one of the things that Helena loves. I'm sorry, I just have to break in really quick and say that who wouldn't want to be surrounded by edible lingerie and technicolor dildos? Because one, ambiance, two, snacks. Like, that's basically just, like, do you want to be surrounded by fruit roll-ups and silly suction cup statues? Like, I don't see a problem here. Anyway, please continue. This is one of the reasons that Helena loves her job. 
So while it's not her job to educate the ignorant public about the spectrum of asexuality, she does enjoy the chance to enlighten folks that comes when she can kind of fuck with their perceived notions around sexuality. So she relishes any opportunity to meet some variation of, wow, it's so ironic that an ace person would want to work at a sex shop with, well, some ace folks really like sex and others are averse to it or find it entirely repulsive and some folks, like me, are rather indifferent. And yes, look at the beautiful array of colored dildos behind me. (laughs) Also, there are snacks, you know? And basically (laughs) emphasizing to these folks, it's about attraction, not action. But of course, she doesn't just manage the store and squash misinformation. It's the town's biggest open secret that Helena is the best witch to source love spells and potions from. So in between selling phallic lollipops and fuzzy handcuffs, she supplies elixirs to mend broken hearts, charms to catch the attention of a crush, and herbs that can be slipped into tea to coax true emotions to the surface. Helena is a romantic, like textbook romantic. She adores helping customers fix what's ailing their love lives. But she can't help but feel frustrated that she's been perpetually unlucky in love herself. If you asked her best friend, I need an E name. Emma. If you asked her best friend Emma, a vampire hacker, Helena should screw the rules and just conjure up the person of her dreams and walk off into the sunset. It's certainly a tempting idea, but it's frowned upon and might actually be forbidden depending on how she would go about that. So in the past, she has just stayed away from aiding herself in this journey to find love. Now you might be asking, why doesn't she just seek out another witch to help her? Surely a witch can ask a witch to give her a love spell or a potion that will help aid this along. But Helena is the only witch in Salem that is actually good at this type of spell work and potion making. Mm, I'm gonna stop you really quick. Just to throw in um, some wild magic, I would really like it if you could uh, at some point have someone either accidentally break in somewhere or like break in on purpose, but with no malice. Like there is a would be a good reason for them to break into a place. Break in at some point. Sure. Mm -hmm. So there's not really anyone close by that she can ask about this. And also, to a certain extent, it's pretty vulnerable for people to go and ask for help in this kind of way, the same way it would be vulnerable to seek out a matchmaker or even put yourself on a variety of dating apps or things like that. Like these are all tools that people use to help them meet people to help them find the relationships that they're looking for. And Anytime someone puts themselves out there in any way, it's it's very vulnerable. And so Helena is not great with vulnerability uh, in this regard. She feels a lot of insecurity surrounding her own personal love life because what a lot of people misunderstand about asexuality, because 
there's an endless string of things people misunderstand, is that sexual attraction is separate from romantic attraction. A lot of people mm-hmm. conflate the two. And so a lot of times in her dating life, there's been this false assumption that because she doesn't experience sexual attraction, why is she even looking for romance? Those two things are the same. Mm-hmm. Newsflash, they're not. They're separate things. So she is a sex and different asexual, but she's pan-romantic, meaning that she is romantically attracted to people regardless of gender. So she's been out on a handful of dates throughout the past several years. But if she made it past the like first couple of dates with a person, things tended to get a little fuzzy because people are very ignorant about certain things and they just seem to be caught up in their own heads about what her sexual orientation and romantic orientation would mean for their life. Um, Mm. And instead of being a decent human being and just like asking questions and being curious, (laughs) they just jumped to conclusions or made really inappropriate comments that turned her stomach and turned her off. So she's frustrated. She needs help, but she's also a little bit scared to ask. Every day she goes into the store, she sells things to bachelorette parties and she sells things to teenagers in puppy love that need a little oomph, a little zhuzh in their confidence, a little swing in their step to get the ball rolling (laughs) on the magical adventure of love. And she just sort of ignores this lack in her life that she would like to be there. And of course, there's her regular customers that come in for a variety of reasons. There is, I need a T name. Pronouns. Any pronouns. Let's go with Tina. You want to give me a mythical creature? Ooh, a wood sprite. So there's Tina, the wood sprite, who comes in to source a variety of love-adjacent potions to play tricks on people in the woods. Hot girl shit. People that steer off the paths of historical landmarks and such. And that's why we don't trailblaze. Exactly. On actual trails. Maybe, you know, <laughs> in other ways, but not that and way. And then there is, I need an M name. Any pronouns? Margaret. Who is... And what she needs from Helena is a little bit more complex, but Helena is, of course, up to the challenge. She is the best at this. See, Margaret has men falling in love with her all the time, but they're not actually falling in love with her. And while Margaret's ancestors might have been super cool with dragging men to the bottom of the ocean and, you know... I mean, Margaret is... She's a modern siren, okay? So she has no problem attracting people, but she doesn't see... She she has a... She is looking for a fulfilling relationship that is two-sided. She wants to get to know a person and she wants the person to get to know her and fall in love with her. She doesn't want to just attract people with her essence and her beauty based on nothing other than that. Margaret is in there a lot of times to help ward off this unwanted attention from various folks that seem to be in love with her and following her all around town. 
Well, I mean, at some point, it just gets so burdensome to have to clean up the sea floor of all of the drowned wannabe lovers, you know? It's just... It's a burden. We're trying... Yeah, and, and we're trying to clean up the oceans, you know? Like, that's a really important initiative. I'm sure she cares about it, so... Best it's just And then off. there is... I need a K name. Any pronouns again? And Kellen, Kellen is a... Mm, that's a good question. Kellen is a were panther. <laughs> I'm sorry. What? A I'm sorry. I've been, I've been, yeah, I've been rewatching True Blood. That's all you need to know. Okay. Um. <laughs> all right. Well, Kellen is a were panther, which I can only assume means that instead of transforming into a wolf, they transform into mm. a panther. Yep, and for sure. And what are Kellen's pronouns? <laughs> you okay? Yeah, I'm just really amused by... <laughs> I'm, I'm very amused by all of this. Great, I'm, I'm glad that you're amused. So, mm-hmm. she's in the store, and a young customer comes in. She's a young, fledgling witch, And she's seeking out Helena to help her perfect some love magic that she had tried to do but had experienced some malfunctions, if you will. And Helena, of course, doesn't gatekeep. So she is happy to help this witch solve her own problem as opposed to just fixing it herself. She's got plenty of people coming in that can't perform this magic, so she is more than happy to help this person so that they can do it on their own. But while she is helping this witch with fixing this love potion that went wrong, she realizes that this young witch doesn't seem to understand the fundamentals of magic, the rules that sort of govern what is and is not appropriate. So When you say love spell, it is against the rules to give someone a potion that would make them fall in love with you. Why? Because consent. That would essentially be like giving Mm -hmm. someone a roofie, like a date rape drug. Anybody under a love spell of that nature cannot consent to being in love with you. So she realizes that this young woman doesn't seem to know that that is not okay. And so she starts to relay this information to her. And this young woman is like, clearly not interested in the rules, clearly uninterested. Mm. She just wants to get the guy at her work to fall in love with her, to pick her over somebody else that apparently is in the picture. Finally, Helen is like, I cannot help you. This is against our code of ethics do you have a question yeah has this other witch um has she tried going up to this person at work and going pick me choose me love me Uh, i don't know okay okay i just i just wanted to check in you know it's always an option this young woman storms off in a huff knocking over several items as she leaves Helena feels disappointed. 
she got really excited about being able to teach someone else about love spells. And this isn't the first time that she's had to explain this code of ethics to other people. A lot of people don't understand that the types of services that she offers is more to kind of give people confidence or to help people learn the truth or to even just help people like gain the attention of someone. But she it, mm -hmm. it would be unethical for her to manipulate another person's feelings without their consent. And what I think a lot of people misunderstand because of things like Hollywood's portrayal of witchcraft and the like is that it is inherently manipulative, but it's manipulative in a way that is non-coercive. It changes circumstances, but it can't conjure an outcome. Yeah, I think a lot of people just on the idea of manipulation alone. I mean, the word I'm, you know, this, I, I'm saying this for the listener. Manipulation is simply to alter a situation. It's, you know, in the same way that you, know, you can manipulate Plato into shapes, it, it's a very um, morally neutral on its face. It's the idea of the introduction of coercion that can cause manipulation to be dangerous, harmful, etc. And I think that's a really important distinction. So I'm very She's feeling very disappointed because she really loves what she does and she knows that she gets results because she is able to help people realize what it is that they want in their romantic relationship. She's able to give people kind of a boost to help them be noticed by someone that they're attracted to or interested in. Again, doesn't guarantee that that other person is going to reciprocate said feelings but she has a lot of success because even in the cases where it doesn't work out those people are emboldened and able to go forth and form new connections they're able to not be hung up on this person like the idea of this person that they know where this relationship might work out instead they are able to go out and to experience something that is more authentic and is ultimately going to be a lot more fulfilling than this fantasy that they've created around this person that does not reciprocate feelings for them, right? I mean, mm -hmm. she's kind of like, in some ways, a therapist, but like, with magic. You know what I mean? Like, the, she, she is, <laughs> yeah. instead of giving you like, emotional tools, she's giving you physical tools to help you then figure out your emotions or other people's emotions. But again, she's not conjuring results for your pursuits. That is up to the yeah. fates. Yeah, she's she's bolstering actions rather than measuring reactions. I she's like disappointed that this woman clearly didn't want her help. And she's also, again, feeling down about her own situation. Feeling like if only she could give herself more confidence, if only she could meet the right person, if only she could honestly perform magic for herself. But that's a that's a pretty big no-no. There's a lot that can go wrong if you conjure magic that is going to help or alter your own life. You are too close to the situation to be able to manipulate only what is necessary 
to produce a circumstance rather than your intention overshooting and causing negative repercussions. That's the idea of Mm -hmm. the magic. And she's sitting there and she's sulking and she is closing up the shop. She's taking a moment. She's scrolling through her dating app. And then she opens up Instagram and she sees not one, but two different people that she went on dates in the last couple of years have recently gotten engaged. And she just feels jealous and devastated. And it is not a good combination it's it's a kick in the dick Uh, it's very much the thing of like when you get out of a long-term relationship and then that person turns like right around and hops into another relationship and that one just seems to work and you're like what the fuck (laughs) Did, did it not work because of me am i the common denominator in this equation the answer is no it's never you honey She asks Emma if she wants to go to the bar, you know, a few storefronts down. And they go and they're drinking and she drinks a little more than she normally would because she's feeling down. And Emma walks her home. She lives above the toy store. (laughs) So no driving or broom riding necessary to to get home. She's not inebriated and and operating a vehicle of any kind but then emma leaves and she's looking at all of her herbs her cauldron and she is thinking about that young woman that walked in and was just so willing to go after what she wanted even if it was bad motivations and she just is like you know Mm -hmm. what i'm really good at what i do and i'm sick and tired of having to wait around for something to happen and she's drunk she's looking at all this stuff and she knows she knows she could perform a spell she knows that she could get herself the kind of relationship that she wants and so helena drunk helena breaks the first rule of witchcraft never oh. cast a love spell on yourself little bit of hocus little bit of pocus She goes to bed, and the next morning, she wakes up, and she turns over in bed, and there's someone next to her. Oh, And of course, she screams. She freaks out, because she (laughs) lives by herself. Also, her locks and things have been charmed. She hired a boundary witch to be able to make sure that, like, no one can just break in to her apartment that no one could break into the store her wards are warded exactly okay she is she knows how to outsource so she screams and that jostles this person from their sleep now madison i would like you to describe the person that she is woken up in bed with 511 curly hair of the curly hair just below shoulders kind of shaggy that's what we're rocking with dark hair I'm a slut for dark hair. Nice physique. Actually, you know what? This is what I want. I want himbo energy in this. So she wakes up next to a nice himbo, but she doesn't know he's a nice himbo because he's just a stranger and he's in her bed in her locked apartment. And she's like, where did you come from? And this man looks at her with so much love in his eyes. He is enamored with her. 
And he is, like, saying all of these wonderful, lovely things, calling her darling, telling her how wonderful she is. And he knows all of these details about her that a stranger should not know. Yes, Madison. I want to I wanna actually edit um, this, uh, this person. I would like this person to essentially be Hosier. <laughs> um, so you're going to have to alter the height. That's it. That's my edit. So she wakes up to Hozier in bed, offering her all kinds of compliments and telling her how much he adores her. And he knows all of these details that he definitely shouldn't know because she has never met Hozier before in her life or whoever the hell this is. And he seems confused at her confusion. And now she is trying to retrace her steps. And so she goes out into her living room and she is looking around she goes she checks the locks the wards just to make sure that something wicked didn't come this way and she thank you <laughs> <laughs> sorry that was so and good and then she turns and she sees her practicing area where she makes a lot of potions and things and she sees that clearly things have been used but her head is killing her she is so hungover She's looking and looking and she starts seeing specific things and then she stops dead in her tracks because, oh, fuck. She knows exactly what has happened. She's like, oh, I see. I see the basil. I see the deer's tongue. I see some vanilla. This is a hot mess. She's like, I I conjured myself a lover. That I can't do that. That's like the worst possible thing that I could have done. And so she immediately calls Emma and she is like, you have to get over here. And Emma is like, it is 8 a.m. The sun is out. I can't help you. I'm in my coffin. She's like, fine, I'm going to come to you. So she grabs discount store hosier and (laughs) (laughs) and she heads on over to Emma's house. Emma doesn't sleep. She just puts herself into... A coffin for the aesthetic. Prior to becoming a vampire, she was a goth kid. And she just couldn't get over the fact that vampires don't sleep in coffins. And she's just like, fuck it. I'm going to do what I want. We love Emma. Fuck it, we've all So she is just chugging a blood bag and gaming on her laptop when they arrive. (laughs) I'm imagining it having like a little Capri Sun straw. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> How else would she Perfect. drink it? <laughs> so Emma true. is like, who is this man? And before Helena can say anything, he introduces himself as need a name for this Hosier lookalike. His name's Arthur, but she can call him Art <laughs> because he looks like it. And so he goes, I'm Arthur. I'm Helena's love. So serious. Like Oh. A paid actor couldn't be this convincing. And Emma is like, I dropped you off at your apartment and I locked the door on my way out. So when did you meet this man exactly? Helena cannot bring herself to say that she didn't meet this man, that this man just appeared. She made this Finally, man. Finally, she spits it out. And Emma is like, 
yes, you've solved your problems. Because you remember, Emma is uh, someone that doesn't like to adhere to rules, right? She is a hacker by trade, doesn't abide by any code other than her own. They told her vampires don't sleep in coffins. She's like, fuck it. This is what I want to do. I don't care. <laughs> I'm just imagining her laying in a coffin playing on a Nintendo She's like, Switch. yes, girl, get it. This is awesome. This is what you wanted. He clearly loves you. I can see it in his eyes. In fact, I can smell the pheromones wafting off him. He is into you. And Helena's like, this is the worst thing that could have possibly happened. I have broken the witchcraft code of ethics. I am screwed. And Emma's like, okay, but nobody actually enforces those rules. Like, there's not a council somewhere waiting to, like, put you on trial. You're not going to end up in witch jail. Like, all of the witch jails around here are just museums. Like, and those weren't even real witches that they <laughs> hung and drowned and stoned. They were just people that other people didn't like. And, you know, it was really tragic. And Helena's like, yeah, okay, there's not, but, like, this is bad. I live by these ethics. And yes, there is nobody that's enforcing these rules of magic, but I can't just create a person. Like I've created, he's a person. And Emma's like, mm -hmm. is he? Like, what? Like, <laughs> do we know for sure he's a person? Like he seemed to just materialize. So I don't actually think he at least was human prior to last night. So surely there's like, no conflict of interest. Helena's like, yeah, but like, he should have his own free will and he doesn't because he just loves me because that's what I wanted, was someone to love me. And that's why you shouldn't perform things on yourself because they just go terribly wrong. And of course, Arthur, aka Art, interjects to be like, it is my will, my divine destiny to love you, to care for you. <laughs> To be by your side so for all eternity. There's this little part of Helena that is swooning. Because, yeah. yes, this is a little bit over the top. But, like, when you've been in a dry spell, like, romantic drought that she has been in, it just feels really good. Like, you want to believe that this is real. Because, like, you could, if you've taken an acting class, you know that it's, you can reel people in. It's hard to, like, cast them further out. So, like, the fact that this man is just so willing to tell her how much he loves her and how great she is. She's just like, this, oh my god, this feels great, but it's so wrong. And Emma is just like, no, it's not wrong. Like, just have your fun. And then, like... I don't know, get rid of him or fall in love with him. Like, what does it even matter? Emma, clearly being of a completely different moral <laughs> compass than Helena is, is clearly going to be of no use. No use to yeah. them at all. She's like, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know who to talk to. I don't know how to undo this. Because now she's either created this man from nothing, but her own fantasies and desires or she has somehow transported an already existing man and coerced through magic his thoughts and feelings to mirror her own and so mm -hmm. now she's like I either have to put this man back where he came from or kill him question mark like 
if I if I undo the spell, am I now a murderer? Like this has opened up a can of worms that she would have loved to have avoided. If you're Helena, you've made a really big whoopsie. What do you do? Where do you go from here? How do you even begin or do you do anything? Like what what do you do? So I'm a terrible person to ask this question to because I'm on team Emma where I'm like, it would be pretty nice to have someone just be obsessed with me. That'd be really cool and nice. But at the same time, I can see how this is an absolute clusterfuck and a half. I'm, I'm not blind to that. I'm just needy. I mean, I guess you don't want to undo him because that just feels wrong. But at the same time, I guess my out for this would be to find some way to essentially like make him wholly a person beyond herself. Um, so basically, she should just become a god. I think that's well, simple. She's not becoming a god. That's a great suggestion. If only she had thought of it, that would have solved all of her problems. Just like Boy Genius always says, always an angel, never a They leave Emma's apartment and they go back to hers and she starts looking through all of her tomes, all of her books. She is combing through, trying to find something that will point her in the right direction. Meanwhile, Art is tidying the place. He is doing things in service of her. He is baking bread he is oh my god he is the real love language he is getting her to eat lunch while she's busy doing this he's reminding her he made her a cup of coffee he is like my darling you must take care of yourself and then she comes across a page in a book and she thinks hmm this might help me so they go down from her apartment into the shop where she's got some additional materials. Meanwhile, Art is complimenting how beautifully the store is laid out. And it's so wonderful that she can help people make their fantasies come true, both, you know, in the bedroom if they so choose, and also in their hearts. Like, this man is enamored with her. I'm sorry. I'm just imagining him looking at a shelf and going... Gosh, darling, I just really admire how you organize those dildos by size. It's so considerate for someone who's not quite sure if they really want this one or this one, and they just are able to find something in the middle. It's so considerate of you. Exactly. That kind of thing. This man is like, you are wonderful and lovely, and your mind works in incredible ways. And she is like, in between feeling annoyed that he's there because he's not being helpful, although he's being very kind. But also, he's acknowledging a lot of the work that she's done in a way that a lot of people in her life haven't, at least not seemingly Mm -hmm. as sincerely. Like, she might have conjured this man's opinions, but hearing it, oh my god, thank you. I've put a lot of work into this, and I've helped a lot of people in a lot of different ways, and it mostly goes unacknowledged. She grabs what she needs, and she starts creating a potion, and she realizes that she doesn't have one of the ingredients. And the only place that she knows she can get it right now is at the home of another witch 
But this witch isn't super friendly. Would you say that she's a witch with a B? <laughs> Helena and this witch need a name. Her name is Alice. Helena and this witch, Alice, have had some disagreements in the past about some of the methods of magic. Alice has been very, mm, I'll say, condescending towards the kind of services that Helena offers. And Helena has been critical about the fact that Alice is willing to bend rules. Now, Alice does not perform love spells of that kind, but Alice is not a jack of all trades, but has a wide array of magics that she specializes in. And mostly their biggest blowout disagreement is over a broken-hearted man that had originally come to Helena to help him bring back his lover from the dead. Hmm. He had lost his young wife in a car accident, and he just couldn't get over it and it had, after a few months he sought out her help and Helena being the responsible witch that she is told him that such magics were something that she couldn't do for him and instead offered him some other resources to help console him in his time of grief. Well of course he's bereft and so he seeks out Alice's help and Alice seemed fine to try and bring back this woman from the dead. Necromancy is such a fickle practice. The thing is, is while she was successful in bringing this woman back from the dead, what she didn't tell this young man is that nature requires balance. And so in order for his wife to stay alive, something else would have to die in her place. And because that was not specified and because he said anything it takes, he ended up dying shortly after his wife was resurrected. And this is just a mess that the majority of the world would never know about. All of these circumstances just seem strange and unusual. But the magical community is aware that Alice will do things that are not advisable on like the better end and abhorrent on the other end. And so they mostly stay away. They live on opposite sides of town. Helena will never recommend Alice's services. Alice is probably, ironically, the only person that could have helped Helena. Like she knows enough about romance and love magics to have been able to do what Alice actually wanted. But uh, Helena would never go to Alice because a lot of times the things she does, she's not as careful and so things go awry. But she does know that Alice stocks a lot of herbs, a lot of ingredients, and so she knows for a fact that this one particular herb she needs to complete this potion is at Alice's house. So she has no choice but to go and get it. But Alice is never going to let her inside. So she's going to have to do a little bit of an herb heist. <laughs> Super With fun. the help of her new conjured lover, she is able to attempt sneaking in the back while he distracts Alice. And of course, this doesn't 
go as well as she might have hoped because of course Alice isn't stupid. She hasn't left herself defenseless. Do you think a little, oh, a wave of a hand in this direction so you don't see the practical effects that are going on over here? That's not going to fly with her. And Helena is smart enough to know that this isn't going to fly. So she knows that she is going to have to tap into magics in order to circumvent some of the wards that Alice no doubt has up and some of the traps that she probably has. And in the process of not getting caught, she ends up covered in slobber from an ogre, a giant jug that tipped over while she was looking for this herb. It's so hard to get out of your hair. It really is. But after a wild break-in She's able to obtain the herb. She leaves a cheeky IOU because she's not a straight up thief and she may not agree with Alice, but she is only taking this because she has no other way of procuring it this quickly. She would have had to wait and she needs to fix this problem with Art ASAP. She goes back, she makes the potion, but Art is like, cajoling her. My darling, we should spend time together. You can always unmake me later if that's what you so choose you can do whatever but you know you we need to get out we need to have fun and so they go on some dates if you will they are going out to dinner together he's like let me show you what this could be like I love you and I know that you made me but it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. I'm here. I love you. Just like, let me love you. Let me be the person that you've been wanting all of these years. And while they're out at dinner, they run into Margaret, one of her regular clients, the siren. And Helena feels a little bit apprehensive because Margaret and her, Margaret isn't just a client. Margaret has become a friend over the years. And she's expressed her frustration to Margaret before. She and Margaret aren't as great of friends as her and Emma are, but Margaret is a little bit more level-headed and a little bit more on the same page as each other than, than Emma is with Helena. Because Margaret herself is trying to circumvent some of the problematic elements of her history in which, you know, men were drowned. Some of them she maintains were deserving of such treatment. But now that she's out and about, her, her siren powers have become a little bit cumbersome. They've bonded over this over the years and they both haven't been in relationships. So the fact that Margaret is seeing her out with someone is a little odd, especially when it's clear to Margaret that like this man is really in love with her. This is not a first date. This man Mm -hmm. seems to almost be under a spell. And so Maggie is a little bit skeptical and Helena is starting to sweat because She realizes that she's been caught. She knows that Margaret isn't going to let this go. Like she knows she's been caught and she she can feel the judgment. So she's feeling she's feeling like she's been caught and she turns to Margaret and she says, Oh, I I had a spell go awry, and she's trying to like not lie, but try and make it seem like this was an accident, which In some ways it was. She was very drunk, you know. Don't drink and cast spells, kids. You know, it's not a great combo. 
Margaret is skeptical that it's a just a mistake. Like, clearly, based on what she knows about her friendship with Helena and based on the fact that they've talked extensively about people that want to take advantage of magic in ways that don't feel ethical, she's feeling a little bit strange, but she's ultimately willing to kind of give Helena the benefit of the doubt. Helena excuses herself and Art and she's like Art you just you need to drink this because this needs to be over you seem really sweet and I I don't want you to be trapped in love with me and he is trying to convince her that he does really love her he was made to love her so she should let him do what he was made to do but ultimately she's like I really don't feel right about this. I would really rather that you drink this potion. And, you know, maybe if undoing the spell doesn't unmake you, maybe we go on a date, you know, maybe, and we can actually fall in love. I can get to know you as a person and not this entity I created. And ultimately he concedes, he drinks the potion and they're standing around and doesn't seem like anything is happening. Like, shouldn't hmm. he be coming out of a drug-induced state or or shouldn't he be disappearing and floating off in the wind? Nothing seems to be happening. He is still as in love with her as he's ever been for the last 24 hours at least. And now Helena is feeling a little bit defeated because she doesn't know how to fix this. She's like, well, I tried. Art is like... I think that it didn't work because we are supposed to be in love. And maybe you conjured me to you sooner than I was going to find you otherwise. But like, maybe I really was made for you. I believe that, Helena. Like, I believe I was made for you. But Helena is still not convinced. And so she asks Art for some space. She returns home. She asks Art to go up into her apartment She starts her shift at the store. About halfway through the evening, she hears the bell go off. It's kind of late, but they're still open for another 20 minutes. But in walks Margaret. Now Helena's feeling very bashful because she tried to fix it. She hasn't fixed it. She's been caught. Margaret clearly knows something's up. Margaret comes over to the desk. Helena is bracing herself for a lecture, bracing herself for... A lot of confrontation. But instead, Margaret just kind of looks at her. She nods. And then she slides a tiny vial across the counter to Helena. And she's like, I know you'll do the right thing. And she turns around and she walks out. And Helena looks down at the vial and she realizes that what Margaret has just handed her is a potion that she had made for Margaret to dissuade her siren charms on people to help people not be magically attracted to Margaret and she's like oh I can give this to Art so she goes upstairs and Art is again singing her praises he takes her into his arms she has this vial in her hand but his arms feel really good wrapped around her and she just really wishes that that she hadn't done what she did because now she's heard the thing she's longed for someone to say to her and she's seen how he looks at her and 
she just wants this so badly and she wants to feel fulfilled in this relationship and she wishes it were real but it's not and then art looks into her eyes and just says can i please just kiss you one time and then we can find a way to undo this and so they do and in that kiss helena realizes that this is magic that this isn't real and so she quietly slips the contents of the vial into his tea he drinks it and the haze in his eyes kind of melts away and then he's just art standing there a little confused but he's like you know helena i i think you were right i think maybe it was magic and she's oh. like i know he's like you know thank you it was really a selfless thing you did to free me from that but he is now a person that didn't exist prior to 24 hours ago but he's also not in love with her. So he is here now. He doesn't really have anywhere to go. And so she's like, you know, you can stay the night and we'll figure it out in the morning. You know, I I did this and I'm going to I'm going to put it right. Over the next couple of weeks, we see that she has made a bed for him on her sofa. She has given him a job in the toy store downstairs. And they are becoming really great friends. But Art Aww. is a new human. He's discovering lots of things about himself and the world around him. And he's not really in a place to be falling in love. He is falling in love with the world. So romance isn't necessarily something that he wants right now. And honestly, Helena feels a little bit funny about taking him up on his previous offer to like date and get to know each other because she has been getting to know art and she really likes art. She in some ways loves art, but she's not in love with art and she doesn't think that it would be right for her to pursue that. But during this time, Maggie's been coming in and Maggie's been noticing the ways in which art has clearly changed. Helena has done the right thing and not just done the right thing to undo the magic, but has dealt with the consequences of that magic. She has given this man that she created from nothing a job and she's tried to help him find his own footing. She's trying to help him find his own apartment, which is a heck of a task, even for people that are non-magical. <sighs> and she feels so, so touched. And one day she comes in and Helena is like, do you need another potion? I need to thank you for what you did. I, I, you know, I was so close to the situation and I couldn't see what was right in front of my face. And I just don't know how I could repay you. And I, I don't expect you to look at me the same way ever again. I know some love magic people that I can get you in contact with, you know, many towns over. I know it won't be as convenient, but you know, they'll, they can get stuff to me and, and that way we won't have to interact. And Maggie just kind of smirks and she says, you know how you can repay me? Let's go get a drink together. Ooh, Maggie, Margaret, I'm gonna, I'm gonna call her Maggie. Maggie, much like Helena, but for different reasons, has also been frustrated and unlucky in love. She attracts all kinds of people, purely by the fact that she is a siren, but she hasn't been able to find actual authentic love. 
mostly because humans are very much not immune to her inherent magnetism as a siren. But magical Mm -hmm. entities are. Of course, that creates a whole slew of other issues. Vampires can't come out during the day. Certain creatures are afraid of water and, you know, Maggie kind of thrives there and... It's just been kind of a can of worms that she has occasionally, you know, tipped her toe into, but she Mm -hmm. hasn't, like, fully cranked open that. After seeing how Helena solved this problem, like, she can really relate to the kind of weakness that Helena fell into in order to get herself in this situation, but she can really appreciate that even though she made this mistake, she can bounce back from it and she can stand by her morals, stand by her ethics, even when there isn't a magical council that's going to, like, mandate that she do so. And honestly, Mm -hmm. she and Helena have been pretty good friends and she is certainly finds Helena attractive. And she's like, you know, what the hell? I think we should go for it. I think we should try. So they do. They go on their date they go to the bar, they don't get drunk, importantly, but they do find them- <laughs> but they do find themselves wandering back to Maggie's apartment and just spending the whole night talking to each other. They can't get over how comfortable this feels and how hopeful it feels. This feels like something that could be real. And in the most benign way it feels magical this isn't something that was conjured and yet it feels so special and precious that there's not really another word for it it just feels magical and so our story ends but we open up on an epilogue because we love an epilogue it is six months later maggie has a special date planned for her and Helena. And art has become an integral part of the shop, and also an integral part of all of their lives. Emma, Maggie, Helena. He is like this great himbo friend. He just loves, he loves them. He has so much love. And maybe originally Helena had imbued him with romantic love for her, but stripping away that kind of attraction for her with the elixir from Maggie didn't strip away his inherent love. He is a guy that loves people. He loves making them feel special. And that doesn't have to be romantic. It doesn't have to be sexual. He loves his friends. He loves the community that he's built. And so he is absolutely going to help Maggie with her very special date that she has planned. They set up on the rooftop of the building a private dinner for Maggie and Helena. During dessert, Maggie slides over a tiny box to Helena. Helena opens it, and inside is a little key, and Maggie asks her to move in and continue their life together. Aww. And of course, Helena says, "And then yes. Art can keep the loft upstairs." Yeah. Oh my God! Everyone gets such a good living situation out of that. This. Is our story? I loved it. It really tugged on my heartstrings. This is exactly what I wanted. It was very cozy. Um, yeah, good job. Thank you. Very proud of you. You delivered so well. 
Now I have some cast recommendations. Great, hit me. Feel free to edit as you please. For Helena, I was kind of feeling Saoirse Ronan. I'm not. I'm not like fixed on her. I feel like she would do the. She would do the role well. For Emma, I picked Taylor Momsen. Did I Google goth actresses? <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> okay, all right. And that she's my favorite. Um, for Alice, I picked Zoe Saldana because she's cool. <laughs> um, for Art, I. I didn't pick anyone but Hosier. I know he's not an actor, okay? I know he's not an actor, and he probably wouldn't take this role because he'd be super polite and so adorable and would be like, no, thank you. I really do appreciate it. But we're just going to have to kidnap him and make him do it. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. I just enforce them. And then for Maggie, I kind of like Elizabeth Gillies because she has that... She has a very siren-y kind of look to me. But yeah, so I'm I'm pretty set on Emma, Art, and Maggie, but everyone I else. I think we should switch Maggie and Alice. I'll allow this. I think Zoe Saldana has a poise to her that feels very siren-like to me. I know mm-hmm. Elizabeth Gillies can play a, a witch with a B, if you will. Yeah. I could see her as Alice. I, yeah. Okay. So if we have Zoe Saldana as Maggie, I don't really like Saoirse Ronan as Helena anymore. Honestly, just because I feel like with Saoirse's appearance, she would just feel too young next to Zoe Saldana. What about... Merritt Weaver. I can be in for that. I have a counter purple. I know you really want Hozier to be art. But can can I propose someone that I think captures an energy that is applicable here? That I know you like. And, more importantly, is an actor. Pedro Pascal. Yes. I accept this. Absolutely. Okay, perfect. So, for our roll call, Helena is played by Merritt Weaver. Emma is played by Taylor Momsen. Alice is played by Elizabeth Gillies. Maggie is played by Zoe Saldana. And Art, he's played by Pedro Pascal. Now, who are we going to cast Stanley Tucci as? That's a great question. I think that Stanley Tucci should be one of her regulars. Should he be the Panther? Oh my god, the yes. He should be Kellen the Panther. <laughs> he would not accept that role. He might accept any other role that we have cast him in up to this point, but I think he would draw the line at Panther. You know, in telling but that doesn't the mean story, we can't cast him. I almost... But you... I, I was like, you know, he could be the ro- the the evil witch. Like, because it's kind oh, of a, like, cameo part if you think about it. So yeah, instead of it being Alice, true. we could make it, like, Alec. Or, or, you know what? It could just be Alice and it could just be Stanley Tucci. 
Or it, it, Alice could be, you know, short for Alice. Yeah. Which is, so you know what? Um, unfortunately, Elizabeth Gillies, uh, you will now have to be, maybe Elizabeth Gillies could be the wood sprite. Great. Um, to play tricks Tina the wood passersby. played by Elizabeth Gillies. Yeah. And then, yeah, you know what? You're right. We've, I feel like we've kind of relegated the Tooch to some more minor characters. He's still a minor character in this, but he's a minor major character, you know, mm-hmm. or a major minor character, whichever order you want to go in. So yes, I agree. Alice will be played by the Tooch. And Chelsea, um, I am going to come out pretty strong and say that you did actually make a wrong. Would you like to explain for the listeners how that is true? Yes, I would love to. Thank you for asking. Um, First and foremost, we have the question of do they date? Meaning, do we see a deepening relationship between our eventual romantic pairing? And I think that You've actually added a really interesting layer to this by making Maggie and Helena our final pairing because Maggie comes in at such a quintessential moment for Helena and it sets off the beginning of their relationship in a really unique way that I really enjoyed because it's taking a familiar relationship deepening it in terms of the friendship aspect of just being like hey I see you have this problem I know that you will do the right thing here is a way that I think you should do that and then once they share this it's it's an intimate moment in its own right in my opinion that moment in and of itself was an intimate moment between these two characters and then you see that flourish into the relationship that we see so I think they definitely date especially with the bar scene I mean that's literally a date and then do we laugh is comedy crucial to the plot absolutely This is a hilarious setup to begin with. Oh shit, I accidentally conjured a hot man. Oops. (laughs) Oopsie daisy. I accidentally made a person. Which usually, that's not as good of an oopsie daisy. (laughs) But yeah, I think that there's, there's a lot of humor just baked into the plot itself. I feel like the way we've cast this would also play well into that. And then finally, is love in the driver's seat? And I say absolutely. Romantic love is crucial to this plot in so many ways that like it's it's the whole driving force. It's the want of romantic love. It's the accidental creation of the embodiment of romantic love. And then it's the pursuit of genuine romantic love. This might actually, out of all of the stories we have told this season, this one might actually be the most solid check yes to that box. So what I'm hearing is, I'm winning. (laughs) I want that as a button that I can push, like the Staples button that just, you know, it's the Chelsea button that just says, so what I'm hearing is, I'm winning. (laughs) Exactly. No, absolutely. Um, This might be my favorite story yet. 
You did a great Thank job. Thank you. So the next question, Madison, is how badly do you want to see this movie? So this movie, I'm assuming, would be set to come out in the month of October when it's Absolutely. made. I'm seeing it October 2026 because we have we have to get through the strike. We have to get funding. We have to do all of this, you know. So this will come out October of 2026. I foresee making my own witch hat, going on the internet, printing out a pattern, buying the fabric, buying the interfacing to make my own pretty floral witch hat to wear and a matching dress to wear to this premiere yeah it's a five out of five it's a five out of five for me because i feel like well here's the thing it's a five out of five if it comes out in october it's a 4.75 if it doesn't but yeah i think it would be cute to like gather all my friends up and i'll make all of us you know different little witch hats based on our personalities and color schemes and stuff like that and We'll all go to this, and then afterwards we'll all go get ice cream and think, ooh, or maybe maybe pastries. This is more of a pastry movie than an ice cream movie. But we'll all go out and get like a molten lava cake and talk about how we wish that Pedro Pascal was real, you know? And then how we also wish that Zoe Saldana was real. I think you know? this is like a, a 4.5 for me. I like it. Do you want your own witch hat? Like, would you... Would you make it for me? Would you go with me? Yeah, I'd Great. make you one. Then, yeah, I'd love a witch it hat. It would be, like, emerald green... Well, like, dark emerald green, like, vining fabric. I have a whole vision for it, actually, with dark flowers. It would mm-hmm. be really cool. I'm actually putting a lot of too much thought into this. I might have to All make right, it. Madison. Well, now... Uh, we go into the last of our regularly scheduled alternative schedule. <laughs> Your next rom-com road trip that you're going to be taking us on should be another favorite. Since you let me down with the grumpy sunshine, I'm going to let you yeah, redeem yourself again. with a classic, but it's a classic for a reason. I want an enemies to lovers story. Ooh, I got so it. So this will be right. our last, our last two free for alls. And then we'll each be doing a holiday story. And then that'll be followed so by our book club for boyfriend material and husband material. So if you still haven't, read either of those books and you want to before we get there you still have some time to read those they're a lot of fun so 10 out of 10 would recommend they're a great time I am looking forward to that conversation I have a lot to say oh I'm so excited I just I I think the best part of those books is the amount of calm that they bring to the wrong but until then Feel free to get in touch with us. Send an email to loveatfirstscreening at gmail.com or slide into our DMs at loveatfirstscreening and let us know what you're thinking of this rom-com series. Should we continue it as an occasional episode in seasons moving forward after we go back to our regularly scheduled content? 
covering movies when the strike ends. Please, God, let the strike end because those people have been marching for so long. I'm a little their knees nervous are so tired with some of the stuff. We, we, you know, the WGA has their contract. We're still waiting on SAG-AFTRA as of recording this, but you know, I'm I'm hoping it won't drag on too much longer. Although the AMPTP has made some questionable choices as of late, so I think it's all they know how to do is make questionable choices. But yeah, um, I guess another question you can answer is uh, if you were going to accidentally summon the love of your life uh who would you set to play them in your movie we'll leave that open um as an open-ended question yeah thank you for joining us we look forward to seeing you next time when madison takes a spin in our enemies to lovers story but until next time conjure conjure men don't conjure men, actually. That's <laughs> Don't conjure men. We have enough. We have enough men. Unless they're hosiers. <laughs> conjure. <laughs> conjure hosier. <laughs>